Never doubt, right? Never a doubt. 37 to 20 Ole Miss covered and won and all of the stuff. And people were going to look at that tomorrow and think that nothing went wrong and everything went as bad as good as it could for the Ole Miss Rebels. We both know that that's not totally true, but we will see moving forward what can be done. The good news is there's stuff that we can pick apart. We don't even have to nitpick to get us ready to for Georgia Tech and then Alabama as well. Anyway, this is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss, your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Ole Miss 37 to 20 victors over Tulane. Hey, before we get started for the Tulane people in there, People know that Tulane is like my second favorite team anyway. So this was always a bittersweet game, and I wasn't looking forward to this. Ole Miss did what an SEC team is supposed to do to a team in a situation that Tulane was. Props to Willie Fritz for making that game as sloppy as it was in the first half. Willie Fritz deserves all the credit for making that game really sloppy. And Ole Miss had trouble trying to force the run. They – they kind of had entitled play calling and very predictable play calling early. And that allowed Tulane to basically just, hey, attack the ball, see the ball to go after Quinshawn Judkins. And, and that would cause long yardage situations and inopportune stuff. And we told you Tulane has a really good front, um, both offensively and defensively. And they got to work a little bit. Now, they wore down at the end, which, like I said, a G5 team teams tends to do against an SEC team. But that wasn't necessarily um, anything that is um, horrible. It's a good player. Now, Tulane tested Ole Miss this week. They did. And um, maybe not the way that we expected them to and what we wanted with Michael Pratt because, you know, if Michael Pratt was in that game, Ole Miss might not win that. They might not be the victors in that game. And and that, that's just the truth because Ole Miss came out and played unbelievably sloppy. Our keys to the game um, this week was play a clean game. That was an unbelievably sloppy game, procedural-type penalties. They had to waste timeouts um, to avoid delays of the game, turnovers, all kinds of stuff. It was a sloppy game. Again, credit to Willie Fritz for forcing that to happen, but it still happened. And then they turned the ball over from time to time. and. If you look at how they handle explosive plays in this game, Tulane's offense, if you take away the explosive plays, was not very effective. They ended up with about 300 yards of offense, but they did have a couple of explosive plays, which allowed the game to get a little bit hairy. Ole Miss, in the second half, played relatively well. They played better than they did in the first half, which I don't know if it's saying that much. That's kind of a valedictorian summer school argument. But they were able to do that, and the defense – honestly won that game for the Ole Miss Rebels. As crazy as it sounds, the offense was discombobulated. The play calling was predictable. They played sloppy offensively. Jackson Dart quietly, though, had a winner's performance at quarterback as well. Now, if you want to look at stats in this game, um, it was like only 363 yards. Ole Miss did have the one turnover. I think Dayton Wade kind of slipped coming out of the break. And 
that caused, caused Jackson Dart to lead the receiver. Tulane got the pick there. They immediately picked the ball off. Tulane had 342 in total. The quarterback, that Kai Horton, the backup to Michael Pratt, was 15-37 to 37 for 231, a touchdown and interception. Um, Mikel Hughes, I think that's his name, Mikai Hughes, ended up with 92 yards. Ole Miss only gave up about three yards per carry um, on rush defense. They actually played relatively well. There's a couple of things that they need to clean up, but the defense played pretty well indeed. Jackson Dart, he did all right. The pass to Michael Trigg was a game winner. It, fourth down, avoided a rush, made a perfect pass. Trigg showed up at a big moment, caught the ball. Maybe that is the step that takes him the way it goes. Quinshawn Judkins had 48 yards rushing. I would be willing to bet that about 97% of those we're in the second half, and Dayton Wade had a big day at seven catches for 108 yards. If you look at defensive stats, this is entry. Suntarian Perkins did not play. I do not know why. He went from leading the team in tackles in week one to not even playing in week two. I do not know the story there. Trey Washington played a good bit. Kari Coleman kind of turned up. Isaac Ukwu quietly had a pretty good day defensively for the Ole Miss defense. Um, J- Jared Ivey had the scoop and score that for the put-away touchdown. If you look at tackles for loss and sacks, Ole Miss's defensive front did, honestly, their job. They did what they were supposed to do. And if you look at the individual stats, throwing the ball, Jackson Dart, decent day, 17-27, to um, two touchdowns and a pick. If you look at running the ball, they did not run the ball at a level that they want. Tulane averaged 2.5 yards a carry for 111 yards total. That's important to realize as well. It, it, it's a situation where I am as upset as I am about what I saw in the first half. And if you saw my video that I put out um, at halftime for the halftime reaction that was released as a short, it, I was not happy with the offensive play calling. I was not happy with the sloppiness of the team. I was not happy with different ways that and things that were going on. Tulane was controlling that football game. The tempo, everything, all of the things that I talked about all week in ways that Tulane could make that a squirrely type game, that was happening. Ole Miss scored almost instantly. Ole Miss went straight down the field and scored a touchdown to Trey Harris. Trey Harris, I think, got injured, did not come back in the game. We're going to talk to John Macon Gillespie in just a second about what was going on. There is a ton of stuff to watch this game to not be happy about, especially, you know, anytime you have a game like this, the offense struggles. You do have a head coach making $9 million a year. And I do think that that needs to be said. So critique and criticism is going to be warranted in situations like that. They did not look good. This was a team that did not come out and look ready to play. I don't know if it was the fact that it was Tulane. I don't know if the fact that they didn't respect the fact that they beat USC last year or Kansas State last year, or if they didn't respect the number next to their name. But they did not come out ready to play, and they were not focused early on. And that field was hotter than the surface of the sun. Now, we're going to talk to John Macon Gillespie about what is going on with Tulane and in this game. Hey, John Macon. Welcome back to the show, the postgame show. I've just been going on a little bit of a rant about play calling and predictability and all kinds of stuff. What, what did you see in the game? Well, it, it was exactly how we thought it would go, right, Stephen? That was that was exactly how we how we how we drew it up in the pregame. Um, no, it 
I thought I thought the first drive, obviously, of, of the game was great for Ole Miss. I mean, Lane Kiffin has has shown for a long time that he's great at those first scripted drives. Um, after that, in the first half, I, I saw struggles up front. Obviously, a um, lot of lot of issues on both sides of the ball in the trenches uh, in, in the first half, and um, especially on offense. Right? I mean, Ole Miss finished with less than 100 yards rushing. Uh, which is almost unheard of uh, for a Lane Kiffin team uh, at, at this stage. But um, I, I just finished a, a piece of three of my takeaways from from the game. <clears throat> First was that Jackson Dart put this offense on his back today, in my opinion. Um, you know, whether it was in the rushing game, you know, when they when they needed when they needed something on the ground, or especially in the passing game, and his. Uh, fourth down touchdown pass to Michael Trigg was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen him do. It was it was incredible. Um, so I was pleased with how Jackson played as a whole. Um, the second one, I think there's issues on the offensive line right now. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I didn't play offensive line, so I don't. I'm not very familiar with schematics with things like that. But um, they the two lanes front seven got in the backfield and and clogged running lanes a lot more than I thought they would today, uh, as evidenced by you know how much Ole Miss struggled to run the football. Um, but at the end of the day, you know you look at it, it's you know not a pretty win. But you were on the road, you were playing a top twenty five team who is pretty talented. Um, right. There's a number right. there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and showed last year even even without Michael Pratt that they're dangerous. Um came out with a win on, on the road. I think that in itself makes it a good day for Ole Miss, but there are obviously things that need to be solved over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and, and and the good news is the this this is the good news and the solace that Ole Miss can take. If 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 anybody wants positive spin about what happened today, here it is. You won the game by 17 points. You, you've more than doubled the line of the game. You are going to be ranked higher next week than you were. You have some stuff that you need to work on, but you know stuff that you need to work on going in there. You're not going to walk into Bryant-Denny Stadium in 14 days and there be a surprise about something related with the offensive line. I guarantee you there's going to be some inside drill run. At, on the Ole Miss campus where they were, do inside run like crazy to let the offensive line go against that defensive line so they can get better. Now, quietly, the defensive front seven played a pretty good game. Tulane had two and a half yards a, a carry. Um, they gave up a couple of exclo- explosive pass plays. But other than that, there was about 150, 160 yards of offense. And Tulane was never going to drive the field uh, against Ole Miss, I don't think. No, and, and I <clears throat> I should have probably put that in I should have maybe made it four takeaways instead of three, but um I thought Pete Golding's unit as a whole played pretty well today. Um mm-hmm. you know, they they did struggle at times to to slow down uh running back whose name escapes me. Uh but they they did struggle to slow him down at times. But um as a whole, especially in the second half, I mean I thought that they they played pretty well. Um and to me, I think both sides of the ball looked improved after halftime. There were obviously some adjustments that yes. were made at, at halftime. Um, and I also think that Tulane had started to get worn down a little bit. Um, so, I mean, that's 
that's a good thing. You know, I mean, you know, you have you, you give up that that scoring drive to start, uh, and then you know, in, in the first half, you know, things kind of look a little discombobulated on defense. But as a whole, again, halftime adjustments. I, I think that I think that the defense as a whole played pretty well today. Yeah, and 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 one of the players that I am interested about that had had a a little bit of a day now. We need to find out why Suntary and Perkins didn't play today. I, I think yeah. I think we do need to find that out, and 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 eventually that should come. That might be coming out in the press conference as we speak right now. But Isaac Ukwu was very good. Um, Kari Coleman played a quietly good game at linebacker. He's yeah. the one that punched out the ball that had Jared Ivy's touchdown. Uh, DeAndre Prince. Played like very well. You 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 mm-hmm. saw improvement from week one to week two defensively. You saw a little bit of regression offensively, but defensives on that side of the ball, you you saw improvement. And and I do I want to know what about Santarian Perkins. I want to know about Trey Harris. Do do we know what's going on with Trey? No, um, not anything definitive. And I don't I don't expect. I don't expect Lane to say anything definitive about that because he usually plays those things pretty close to the chest. Um, things that I had heard or seen uh, was that, you know, he he just wasn't going to play in the second half. I had seen some stuff maybe about a knee brace, but I'm not sure if that's accurate or not. Um, so, And I, I didn't even notice the play that he was injured on. I, I didn't notice that he was hurt. Um, until I saw a drive or two later, I was like, look, okay, Trey Harris is not on the field. Um, so, you know, uh, but Perkins, I have no idea. Um, I thought I might have seen him on special teams, but I may have been totally wrong there. I don't remember seeing him at all on defense. Yeah. W- what I'm afraid happened, and, and this is something that I think the fan base is going to figure out and get upset about. Okay. And that is that this team played more of a four-man front this week as opposed to playing a three-man front last week, which meant Santarian fell down the depth chart and um, other linebackers were ahead of him. That, that is what I think happened. I don't think anything went wrong. So you could be right about him playing on special teams and doing that stuff, um, but I'd, I would like to be conf- I'd like to confirm what is going on there as well. Right. Um, and it may have been... I, my eyesight isn't great, but I'm I'm pretty sure I saw a number four on a on, out on punt return team, but I could be totally wrong. Yeah, should be um pretty good. Now, like I said, you have a win against a ranked team on the road playing their Super Bowl. This would be the equivalent if Ole Miss did the same thing. If Ole Miss had the same thing happen in 2015 against Memphis, nobody would be complaining about that in hindsight. As it was going on they'd be complaining like crazy. Imagine that first half and the Robert Kimdichie and all of that stuff happening, but all of a sudden Ole Miss was able to pull away at the end and they won that game. Nobody would be talking about that game later on, and nobody's going to be talking about this game at the end of the season. I don't think you can do transitive property to where you say, okay, well, we're obviously in trouble this year, or any more than you could say, um, with Mercer, everything was going to be sunshine and roses and we were going to be winning a national championship. I, I just don't think it works that way. I think that Ole Miss has a chance to be pretty good moving forward. And if you look at the other teams in the Southeastern Conference, 
Tennessee and Austin P. They were tied at halftime or something like that. Um, Arkansas barely was struggling with Kent State. All Miami of these my, uh, did we get a final score in that game? Uh, no, I think we had a final result, but not an actual final score. I don't know if I've seen that or not. Yeah. Um, I'm checking. David Holly says uh, Perkins was on special teams, played defense on the last season. Okay. The series. Thank okay. you very much, David, for that. Um, it, it was interesting. It, it, all, all of this stuff going on. I'm checking the Texas A&M Miami score right now. If uh, if and when that gets going, ooh, that is not good for the Aggies. Uh, and honestly, in front, that, honestly, in front of that crowd at Miami, yeah, not not good. Yeah, and um, the SEC is down. Okay, don't let anybody tell you the SEC is fine. The SEC is down, but you know what? That's good for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is good for Ole Miss and. This game, this conference is going to be um, gettable in the West. Right now, um, the two most impressive teams in the SEC West is probably Ole Miss and State. As crazy as that is. Uh, right now, Alabama is not looking great against Texas. They're, they're just not. A&M got double-digit boat raced by Miami. LSU, we all saw what LSU did. So, Ole Miss is in good shape. And whenever you start playing the transitive game, you, I don't know if you can really do that. I don't. I don't know if that is something that is going to be beneficial and and is going to make you look. I, I'm going to. I'll put it to you like this: after today, and not just counting the Ole Miss game, I I know exactly what my next two week shows are going to be. Ole yeah. Miss can beat Alabama. This Ole Miss team can beat Alabama. Yeah, and I will say this: I was thinking kind of part way through the second half, I was thinking, okay, what how how am I gonna, you know, put these stories together depending on what the what the result of the game happens to be. But I was thinking, okay, one, you know, but people have referred to this as Tulane Super Bowl, right? I mean this was a huge deal for Tulane fans for the program, oh. blah blah blah. Um second, those those games for, for Ole Miss traveling to, you know, whether it be Memphis or Tulane, those always seem to get squirrely. A little bit. Um, third, I was thinking just survive and get out. I mean, that that's that needed to be the goal after halftime. Find a way to win. It doesn't have to be, you know, the, it doesn't have to look pretty. Find a way to win, and that's what that's what eventually they did. Um, so we would obviously be having a much different conversation had they not done that. Um, but you know, the sky isn't falling. I will say that I, I don't. I don't believe the sky is falling at all. Yeah, in, I, in, the, in the first half, when I was like looking at the way it was going, and you can, like I said, you could you can watch my short that I put on at halftime and, and tell my mindset that at that point. But the second half was fine. The second half happened yeah. exactly what an SEC team should do to a G five team, exactly yeah. what a ranked team should do on the road. The second half is exactly what needed to happen whenever you were playing a team that didn't have Michael Pratt. Um, so I I think the takeaway that we should take from this game 
is that Ole Miss did exactly what we hoped they would do. The score that I predicted before the game was 38 to 14. The final score was 37 to 20. I mean, it, it kind of happened the way that I expected it to. Just, just didn't like happen we the way up. I expected. <laughs> yeah, it just didn't go that way. But it, it ended up in the same place that I thought it would be. Yeah, and it's it's weird how that how that happens sometimes, man. I mean, I I think Ole Miss doesn't win this game. Obviously, if it's not the more talented team, uh, you can tell that at the end of the game. Um, but man, it's it's crazy how. Sometimes, you know, we're like, okay, we think it's going to go this way. Here's the final score. Okay, well, it didn't go that way, but the final score is about the same anyway. So yeah. it all comes out in the wash. Yeah, and the funny thing is, and I, th- this is this is the one way that Tulane would have won this football game. I do not think that Tulane was the better football team, okay? And like, like I 